0: Oh, Yes Guy. Welcome to the Yes Guy Show. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Coming up on the broadcast today, Justin Kingsley. And this guy, he's going to be with us in about five minutes. This guy was judged one of Canada's most creative people by Marketing Magazine, and he's got a list of accomplishments. In fact, if I if I read his resume, we'd have to do a two-hour show. Later on, Kevin Shea will stop by. He's in a hockey author, and uh, and maybe we'll have a book off. We'll see who writes the better book, Perry or Kevin. I don't know if we want to go there. Rod Smith will stop by in segment three, paying tribute to our late friend Chris Schultz, yes guy, no guy in segment four. Perry, welcome in.
1: How you doing, Jim? I'm excited about today's show, our new time and the potential of doing this book off. I've never heard that word before.
0: Well, I I just got, uh, you know, what I, if I introduce my I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to introduce I'm going to introduce my favorite writer and we'll see which one of you guys speaks first.
1: <laughs> uh, you better make me or you're going to be having dead silence today. And having said that, <laughs> our first guest, he's written several books too, so he's got to be included in this, okay?
0: Oh, I absolutely he will be. Yeah. Uh, so let me do this before we bring in our first guest. Looking for an experienced real estate agent, Charles Park Managing Broker, Remax West Realty Brokerage has 26 award-winning years of real estate experience. Looking for the highest level of knowledge, experience, and service? Put Charles Park in your corner. Visit CharlesPark.ca or call or text him at 647-292-8886. Servicing from Hamilton to Kingston, from Toronto to Muskoka. Charles Park will not be at work by anybody. All right. Our first guest, Justin Kingsley. Justin, welcome. How are you today?
2: Uh, very well, thanks. How you guys doing?
0: Good. We're thrilled to have you. And, and, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't start with how the heck could you put a <laughs> McDonald's into the side of a mountain for a snowboarding competition? <laughs> I have to start there. You know that.
2: That's uh, a great question. Well, listen, McDonald's was interested in connecting to youth. I was working at Cassette in those days doing uh, what we called new PR, so digital ideas and website stuff. And and they were going to put a hundred thousand bucks or something into a billboard, and we said we got to come up with a, a crazier idea than that. So I worked with this guy named Brendan O'Dowd at Dizzle Entertainment, and we we came up with the idea of building a restaurant in the side of the mountain. And uh, the way we sold it to McDonald's is basically we told them, "Listen, all the kids who are doing snowboarding know where the McDonald's is. They go there when they got the munchies. So you don't need a billboard. You need a restaurant in the side of the mountain." And that's how it started, and, uh, and we did it, and uh, yeah, that's it.
1: Well, Justin, you're a very creative guy, as uh, Jim has outlined in your resume there, but way back in time, for one year, you were the communications person for, uh, um, for Paul Martin. That's right. How the hell did you do that? What was it like, and did you just do it for a year? Because those jobs are tough.
2: No, you know, I, I grew up in Ottawa and I'm a child of the, the federal government and I've got civil service running in my blood through my family and, and through what I've been brought up in. So it was always an ambition. And so I started in journalism, then went into crisis management and PR, which naturally led to The Hill. And, you know, I ran uh, media relations at Communication Canada, got seen by the political side was recruited to go to the prime minister's office. I also had some experience in macroeconomics and, and studied that subject in university, so it was a natural fit. But um, actually, you guys will understand this better than most. I'm a team sports person. That's my background. So, you know, you got a shot at net, but your teammate's in a better position. You make the pass. That's where I come from. And it's just not what I sensed on the team that I was on at the time. And I, I just saw politics as a, as a different game. And there's a famous saying, right? You want a friend in Washington, buy a dog. Uh, um, <laughs> and, 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 you, and I'm just not like that. Like, uh, I want to do well. I want to grow. But not by stepping over someone or the, these political games. It's, I have bigger ideas about society. So I said, screw it. You know, I left. Uh, yeah, well, this,
0: res- this resume is is impressive. Uh, Award winning storyteller, creative strategist, best selling author, filmmaker, uh, motivational speaker. Um, I mean, you obviously like all this stuff. How do you navigate from one to the other, or does it
2: just happen? No, it's thanks to my natural long windedness. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, uh, I often say uh, I, I'm really lucky. One is I have a skill that's applicable to everything in the world everything needs good storytelling so whether you're trying to figure out a speech for a head of state a slogan for the world cup of soccer or or the olympics or writing a novel you're, you're the skill set you're using and i got it from journalism school i'm a i'm a concordia journalism department grad and that's where i learned how to put together a story and then with a bit of open-mindedness and curiosity you apply that skill all over the place. But I mean, you're doing, you know, you write books. Uh, uh, you, 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 we've done all three of us on the phone here have done similar things. I've been following you guys for, for decades in the work. And so I took that journalistic skill, the ability to go and try to figure out what's totally unique. I actually remember the first, first day of J school, Brenda Zosky said, if... Uh, If a man bites, if a dog bites a man, that's not news. But if a man, if a, if if a man bites a dog, that's news. So you start thinking, applying that skill set and it works for marketing. It works for advertising. It works for books. It works for everything, right? We got to go get people's attention. And I think journalists are the best attention getters in the world because we're trained one to work under pressure, right? And two, you got to write that lead. What's the thing that goes and gets people's attention? And as we go forward in time, well, people's attention span is reduced. So who are the best storytellers in the world? Well, it starts with the three guys on the phone right now.
1: Awesome. (laughs) Well, I went to uh, Ryerson, and the journalism instructor said the first day the most misspelled word is accommodate, and I believe he was right about that. So I want to, unfortunately, I didn't graduate from Ryerson because i had having too much fun.
3: But you <laughs> did a book
1: with GSP. I had a friend of mine, Stephen Wong, who, who did a documentary about uh, GSP. It was called The Striking Truth. Yours was called The Way of the Fight. How did that whole project come about, and what was GSP like?
2: Well, the project I, I worked with George, I've been working with him for over a decade. He first came to my team when I was at Sid Lee. Uh, which has been one of the top creative marketing shops in the world for a long time and and we turned him into they asked us could you turn him into a brand you know how how would you do it and and so we took him on and we built the GSP brand which and the strategy the sponsorship strategy but it was all a truth based it's truth based storytelling right it's it's like documentary content making but we had a great A great subject so one of the key pieces was to write this this book and george and i have something in common we're both kids who were a bit of a rejects when we were kids he went through really physical bullying i wasn't the most popular kid in the schoolyard by any means and um and so we had these and and you look at him he's He's a bullied, reject loser who became the finest athlete maybe in the world. So the purpose of the book was to tell the stories that helped him invent himself and turn himself into this greatest version of the person that he could be. So that hopefully other people will read it at any age and and invent their own lives based on who they are. So... I mean that that was it. I, I we, we both thought it was a bit early for a guy to just write a life story and you know he was 31 years old at the time so we said why don't we write something that we tell the story of the greatest lessons of your life and that's how the book is structured it's structured like five rounds of a fight or or the the path of the fighter right where you start on the ground then you transition into a standing position or vice versa and um and yeah, the book did really well in both French and English. It was at the top of the, the best sellers list. And the nicest thing is when you get teenagers or people writing to you saying, I'd never read a book in my life and, and I couldn't put yours down, you know? So I think it was that kind of impact, but that's George. George has this, Josh Napier has this superhuman ability to connect and inspire and transform the lives of the people with whom he comes into contact. I'm certainly an example of that. He's helped me believe in myself in ways I didn't even know were possible. And a lot of these accomplishments that we've been talking about are, in a way, thanks to him, because I tried to follow not just his example, but his lessons. And so that's the way of the fight. That was the goal of of that book.
1: Would you say GSP was arguably the most professional, mma fighter in the in ufc because the ufc i mean there's guys that swear all swear a lot and just do a lot of things mm-hmm. that don't come across the way george did
2: i'll go further than that i'll tell you I, I i'd say in sport he's one of the finest professionals in all of sport and and every ounce of his energy physical and mental Goes toward his ultimate goal. He has this uncanny ability to try anything new, test it out, keep what's useful to becoming the greatest mixed martial artist that he could have been and that there's ever been, and the rest is cast aside. And I'll give you a, a, a concrete example. He had a we, he had a gym that we called the Bat Cave because nobody knew about it, and it was where he'd go train for his fights. And I had a key to it, and I'd go train there myself, and and. One day I'm going to the bathroom, guys, and I sit down and I look in front of me, and there are dots on the wall. And I, I say, "What are these dots?" I go see George after I go. What are those dots in the bathroom? And he goes, "Well, I don't want to waste time when I'm sitting down, so I have these dots there, which and I put the metronome on my telephone, tuck, 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 and I follow the beat of the metronome, and I train my eyes to go from dot to dot." And it works and it strengthens the retina. And he starts explaining how it strengthens all the little. But you understand, this is a guy who doesn't even let part of the expression, a pool go to waste. He's constantly <laughs> training he's, and he's training. The, and his philosophy is you're only as strong as your weakest point. So, so you know, like that's, that's who he is. It, it's, it's never ending, never stopping.
0: I want to go back to what you said about you weren't the most popular kid. I mean, were you a, were you a shy kid? Uh, how, describe oh, yeah. yourself before any of this happened.
2: Ooh, well, yeah. In public, I was a very shy kid. In fact, they they, they thought I was uh, uh, I didn't have the ability to speak. They thought uh, at first the kids told me they thought I was mute, and I paid for it. And so, yeah, it took years. It took years of uh, you know this unpopular rejected kid who had a couple of friends but the 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 good side of all this is you realize where creativity comes from where you invent you know we had a summer place and i'd go into the woods and i pretend i was a, a hero living in the you know you invent these worlds and that's i think where my creativity comes from but yeah it took a while to break out of it and then of course once you break out of it you become that annoying kid who's in the theater program who's the clown who's in everybody's faces who's got the you know always has a comeback that you know you go from being the shyest kid to being the in-your-face kid because you're going through all these stages of life and then you're 49 years old and you're still not sure so there you go
0: <laughs> well I'm fascinated <laughs> on that because I think a lot of us started out as shy kids for whatever reason um, yeah. and then you know you, you know you, you get tired of, of sort of being penalized by your shyness and, and as you said once you reverse it it changes oh. everything was was there a moment where you can say that you reversed it
2: Yeah I mean uh, I'll never forget the day it was the first day in my life I was violent. I, uh, decided to stop taking it and I took this kid and I discovered adrenaline and I discovered my own power and I, I grabbed him by the lapels. I tossed him and to this day, I think he has a knee injury from that day, which was, I think, grade seven or eight, something like that. But I, I, uh, yeah, I'll never forget it being teased in the, in the yard and outcast and I, something with this rage. This rage welled up in me because I'm not an angry person and I'm a nice, like I'm a nice, naive, I just want to be a <laughs> happy guy. And, uh, yeah, it went past this limit. And then I discovered the the animal, the, the, the beast-like quality, power, whatever you call it. And, yeah, it changed. That day, boom, no more. <laughs> Is that... Did you go through the same thing? Is that why you're asking me that? Well, I,
0: I'm—I was a shy kid, and, and what I got tired of was um, denying myself of opportunity. And I went, "This just can't go on." And, I, and so I, I switched it, and I thought, "Oh, well, that's—I I was doing that to myself. That's ridiculous."
2: Yeah. Yeah. You carry this chip on your shoulder. I've—I've I've, I've carried it for—I carried it for a long time, and and it well, part of it motivates you, right? Because you. Yeah. You ask yourself, well, why do these people think I'm or treat me like I'm worthless or, or whatever these emotions that you have you're going through? Well, in my case, what's good is once I figured out how to fight it, then it became a source of power of energy where I say, yeah, keep keep coming at me. I'm just going to put it in what I call my BS tank, which converts to energy, usually on Friday nights, Saturdays, Sundays, you know, when everyone else is resting, you keep doing the work. and and all these things and uh... yeah part of it for me has always just been a desire to, to if you look at those stories we're talking about i mean the, the snowboarding thing is is a bit of a an aside it was just fun and funky but you know my book about george is about helping people discover the best versions of themselves my second book was called weology which is about how everybody wins when we comes before me and then after that i wrote a book in french which is about giving which no one not a lot of people are talking about, so all of my work, slogans I wrote for the Olympics for World Cup of Soccer are about empowerment really and and trying to help people discover the best versions of who they can be or who they are, you know yeah it's no, easy, so- but yeah.
0: Well, that—I mean—that's it. That—that's the secret of life, right there. Who are you, and 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 how do you manage that, and, and and turn it into a positive if if it's negative? And I mean, you just have to keep going forward. Justin, I really enjoyed this conversation. I uh, hope we can get you back. Uh, are you willing to come back?
2: Jim Pearman, I—I've been fans of yours for for years, and I'll come back on your show as a guest at any time. It'd be—it was a, a pleasure to be here today, and I—I'd love to carry on our chat with with great oh, pleasure. You, uh-
0: Oh, you're the guy. I was wondering who the fan was. <laughs>
2: who's, who's that one guy who's been there all this time? Well, it's Kingsley, fellas. It's Kingsley. <laughs> very
0: nice. Justin, thanks very much. Appreciate
2: it. Thank you, fellas. Have a great weekend. And thanks. You, you too. Care.
0: Justin Kingsley, if you are an experienced real estate agent looking for a comprehensive value and a distinct advantage, contact Charles Park, managing broker, Remax West Realty Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring. For a confidential interview, call 647-292-8886 or email charles at remaxwest.net. Charles at remaxwest.net. Up next, Kevin Shea. This is Yes Guy, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Now back to... The Yes Guy Show. Yes (laughs) Guy. On TSN 1050. Yes, Guy, Jim Taddy and Perry Lefkoe. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor, Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website at BraleyAdvisors.com. With 30 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money and get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Next guest. Kevin Shea, Kevin, welcome. How are you today, sir? Hey, I'm doing really well. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. There's see, there's that radio voice. So now that you've got that radio <laughs> yep voice and, and you're there we go and you're a writer. I I want to go down like I saw a Facebook posting where you had Rodney Dangerfield. So you must have met some Buttes <laughs> along the way.
3: Oh, well, that's for sure. It's it's a fun life. Uh, you know, I worked in the music industry from
0: 1983 or 84.
3: Up until two thousand and, and so you can imagine the width and depth of, of artists and characters you meet along the way, from the hardest of rockers and the biggest of stars, you know, Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue and 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 stars like you know Kenny Rogers and Whitney Houston to bands that never did a whole lot but sure were entertaining along the way. And by coincidence, Rodney Dangerfield had a, had a rap record of all things and <laughs> was signed to the label where I was working. And so here I was trying to promote rap and Rodney to uh, to radio stations across, uh, well, to start with in, in the Ontario region, Southern Ontario and then all of Ontario. And so we had some fun with with good old Rodney. And boy, was he a character.
1: So I'm always curious when it comes to if all those people you've interviewed, whether it's bands, single individuals, uh, what Aside from Rodney Dangerfield, which I don't know if anything could to top that, give me an, <laughs> another example of some musician who just totally surprised you either in a good way or in a bad way.
3: Oh, boy, I could pick from so many. I mean, they were so nice. You know, you sometimes you think the, the bigger they are, you know, the more difficult they are. But, in fact, I found that, for the most part, anything was uh, was uh, opposed to that. So, I mean, Kenny Rogers was a wonderful guy. Whitney Houston, just delightful. Uh, And they were at the top of their game at that particular time. Moving a little bit closer, you know, Don Henley uh, has a bit of a prickly attitude, at least by perception. But he was a wonderful man as well, uh, doing his solo thing amidst uh, the Eagles, having a bit of a, a hiatus. Um just so many, but I think probably my very, very favorite is a bit surprising. Was Weird Al Yankovic? Weird Al and I still are very good friends right now. But Weird Al Yankovic, you know, belied his persona. Al is is probably one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. He's a vegan. He is shy and somewhat reserved. But boy, oh boy, when that uh, radio light goes on or the TV uh, camera's on or the, or the scribe is in front of him, the weird Al persona comes out in full force and has some fun. And, and when we used to drive around, he, he told me I could never work him hard enough. Well, that was a challenge that I wanted to pick up. So I'd meet him at his hotel at 4.30 or something in the morning, and we would do morning radio and morning TV, and then we'd go on and do newspaper interviews. We'd continue right through until about midnight. And he was uncanny because he would pull these catnaps in between interviews. He would sit in the back seat, and while I was driving from wherever, Q107 Radio 2, CFTO, or wherever it happened to be at that particular time, he had 15 minutes, could close his eyes, get a good sleep, wake up, feel refreshed, and be right, right spot on again. So he was a delightful artist to work with and one that I, I really treasured my time with him and we had so much fun at, at the same time.
0: Were you ever around anybody that you may have been nervous to be around or intimidated by? Oh, absolutely.
3: Yeah, I mean, there were were so many of those as well. Um, When I was working at a a company called Attic Records, we had a a metal label called Roadrunner. And one of my duties was to write a biography for a band called Deicide. They were from Buffalo originally, but they were living in in, uh, Florida. And one of them had a Nazi uh, sign engraved into his forehead and you know they they worshiped the devil and they were mean and nasty and their lyrics you know, were were uh homophobic and and uh and misogynist and i thought oh my god oh my god what am i doing and i and i pulled up in the taxi in front of this gated community and went in and they couldn't have been nicer I'm sure that they they believed all the things that they sang about or wrote about, but they couldn't have been nicer to me, polite, uh, honest, genuine, made me feel very, very comfortable, but boy, oh boy, I I didn't sleep for a week leading into that one, and it all worked out just fine. I can't say they're my favorite band by any means, but uh, it all worked out just fine, guys. So you've had a
1: rich history in in music. You've also got a very rich history in hockey. I know you're one of those hockey research guys. Um, You used to for the Hockey Hall of Fame, and you've written a lot of books. So tell me, is there any one book that you've done that really stands out as your favorite?
3: Oh boy. and I've said this before, and I'm sure others have said it too, but it's almost like picking your favorite child. It's really, really difficult. But I'm going to name two, if you don't mind. Um, I was really, really honored to be selected by the uh, folks at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment to write the official centennial book of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Toronto Maple Leaf Hockey Club, official centennial publication, 1917 to 2017. Really honored because they could have gone to so many different people with far more marquee value than can. Kevin Shea had, but uh, I guess they liked what I had done and, and uh, realized that I was deep into the history of the team and, and certainly loyal through the years, so I was very pleased with that one. On a completely different note, uh, I wrote a book called burilco Without a Trace and I was really proud of that one and it actually leans towards my music industry background, if I can veer off for a second. Uh, when I was working at the Hockey Hall of Fame and, and I st- I'm still there, but uh, when I was there at the time I, I noticed how many people came into reception and asked to get that famous shot of Bill Barocco scoring the goal on Jerry McNeil. You can see him from behind. It was done by the Tarovsky brothers and, and it's a, a really you know, well-known shot And I was surprised how many. So I talked to the the receptionist, Tyler Wolosiewicz, and and said, would you say that that's the most requested photo he had? And uh, he said, yeah, that one in the Bobby Orr photo would be right up there for sure. He said, you know, somebody really should write the book, and you're the guy, Kevin. I mean, wait wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hang on here. And the pieces all fell together. One of the volunteers at the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame at the time was a lady named Ann Klicinich just happened to be Bill Barocco's sister. She uh, volunteered on a weekly basis with her husband, Emil, and her son, Barry, and uh, they were dear friends of mine, and she was very open with her, her knowledge and her scrapbooks and everything else that there was. But then there's the other side is the reason that we think about them these days is largely because of the Tragically Hip. And they have a song called 50 Mission Cap, of course, one of the, the, the great songs in in, uh, in Canadian music history, but certainly one of the, the finest songs to do with hockey that has ever been done by a, a pop or rock artist. And so because I had worked at, uh, at Universal Music with the Tragically Hip for a couple of albums, I just thought, hang on here, I'm the guy to write this book. And, and so... I, but I thought, you know, he really is known for one goal. And, and it was a dramatic goal and maybe the most dramatic goal in, in Toronto Maple Leafs history. But it's really important for me to show the man behind the the goal as well. And so I spoke to certainly the hip and Ann Klicinich. And then I spoke to, you know, he died in a plane crash with his dentist. I spoke to his dentist receptionist who was there at the time and former neighbors. And I mean, you name it. And, and I spoke to them and, and really, really proud of the work that went into Borilco without a trace.
0: Kevin, we're going to have you back, and we're going to try and, and create some sort of a book-off between you and Perry, because you're two writers, you're not supposed to get along, so I hope you're up for that.
3: <laughs> hey, I, ad- I admire Perry very much. He does great work, and I'm not saying that just because we're on the show, <laughs> and I'm lobbying to be back on the, on the show either. Well, well If you're, you're, you're going to give me that praise,
1: go ahead and say yes, Guy, a really good one to end it off.
0: Yes, guy. Good. Good for you. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. The always always interesting Kevin Shea. Coming up next, Rod Smith. We're going to pay tribute to our uh, late friend, Chris Schultz. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors, Incorporated. Financial advisor, Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website at braleyadvisors.com. With 30 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money and get a back to you when you need it the most financial clarity and comfort with barely financial advisors incorporated this is yes guy tsn 1050 you're listening to the yes guy show yes guy on tsn 1050 This segment of the S-Guy Show is sponsored by the multiple award-winning Let's Get Moving Canada for all your moving, packing, and storage needs in the GTA. Let's Get Moving Canada does it all with friendly and efficient service featuring all-inclusive hourly rates. And Let's Get Moving Canada takes special care to ensure your belongings are protected. And get this, mention the S-Guy Show. You receive $60 off the cost of moving. That is correct, sir. $60 off by mentioning the S-Guy Show. For further information, contact Let's Get Moving Canada at 647 250-9884, 250-9884, or visit their website, let'sgetmovingcanada.com. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you, and you know, it was an extremely sad last couple of days, the passing of Walter Gretzky, and of course, the sudden passing of Chris Schultz, our good friend and workmate. And to help us reminisce about Chris, uh, let's bring in Schultzy, I should say. I mean, really, come on, that's what we all knew him as. Rod Smith, who worked with him closely on the television side for CFL and TSN. Uh, Rod, welcome in, and... You know, this was a big man in, in every sense of the word, wasn't he?
4: Yes, guys, or Perry. It's good to talk to you, in and such difficult circumstances. But you, you got it. You you both knew him well, and and Jim, you're right. A, a big, in in so many ways, other than his physical stature, which was certainly big. I mean, standing at about six eight, uh, you know, at his at his peak as a as a player, probably about three hundred pounds of muscle. Um, he could be an intimidating force. But he also he just he carried with him such a big presence. Even in his more gentle moments, um, he had that that voice, that always loud voice, um, and and he could just light up a room that way. I mean, he just—I'll uh, miss him so much. I'm so uh, broken-hearted about this, and I wish I'd had a chance to, to you know, to, to see him more over the last year, especially, and uh, and it hurts. But I, um, I have nothing but. But fond memories of working with him, and uh, he was a good, and loyal friend. And, and uh, the reaction, the outpouring, in light of the sudden and tragic news, has, has been just overwhelming.
1: Well, Rod, Pinball Clemens said something to the effect that uh, football needed Chris, and Chris needed football. It seems like that was, I'm not going to say it's his, his only life, but he was consumed by football. And I would say in, in a very
4: good way. I think so, too. It was his life. He had a football life, Perry, as you know. And a basketball kid, I believe, uh, in, in high school in Burlington before, uh, I think late in high school, moving on to football, getting a scholarship to Arizona, starting as a defensive lineman, moving over to the offensive line, I think, in his senior year before he was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in 1983. Uh, football through and through. And the one thing with him, that I appreciated because I love the CFL. But you know what? I love the NFL, too. And I I used to hate those arguments about which league is uh, better or more entertaining, Um, you know, three-down football versus four-down. He wouldn't have any of that. He loved the game, and he cherished his time in both the National Football League and then in the CFL, too. He was proud of both. He loved covering both. He loved talking about both. Um, and and uh, I remember that about him. He was a defender for the game itself, and he didn't get caught up in just one individual league. And uh, that's one of the many things I treasure about him. When we're just even talking about his football knowledge and passion.
0: You know, Schultze the broadcaster was was very unique in my opinion. I enjoyed. I'm sure you did. You you get you'd have better stories than I would. But anytime I did a show and I had him on, I loved to ask him a question because I couldn't wait for the answer. And it was a full answer, wasn't it?
4: It really was. And Jim, he, he prepared a lot. If you gave him the chance to know what we're going to talk about, he would make notes. And I understand why he did it. He'd organize his thoughts that way, but you know what? As I'm sure you saw, he could be very spontaneous and very good that way because he had so much knowledge and so much opinion. And uh, he he did have a a very smart approach to the, the game. I mean, um, I, I, I enjoyed so much talking to him about everything from, you know, big picture stories, whether we're talking, uh, you know, about quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League. We're talking about, you know, differences with Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell and who he thinks is better. Or if we're talking about, you know, a left tackle and how you set your feet and leverage and, and positioning and you know, um, the, dealing with the speed of a rush end and all these other things. I'd love to get technical with him. He would he would run the gamut. He he he, uh, he loved to talk about all aspects of the game, and especially the emotional side of the game meant a lot to him as well. And um, and you could sense that in everything uh, in everything he did, everything he prepared for. That yes, it's X's and O's, but it's also it's heart. It's uh, you know a loyalty to teammates. It's you know backing them up and and uh and desire and all those other, you know, more intangible things. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a real joy just talking football with him.
1: I found Chris at times to be very intense, particularly as it was coming closer to, like, the game. He didn't like to be disturbed. Was he like that <laughs> on the panel as well? Yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. He had days. He had, uh, you know, he, he had his moods too. I mean, we all did. But with him, there were there were certain times when I knew I could push his buttons and other times I knew – you know, sometimes he could just shoot you that look that now is not the time. And he, you know, uh, he had that... He did have an intimidating presence about him. I, I wouldn't... Um, and yet he could be so playful, like a teddy bear, like a gentle giant, that uh, you had to know when it was a good time and, and uh, that you could uh, you could tease him a bit. You could even mock him uh, just as friends, uh, you know, and joke around with him. But uh, But you're right. I mean, usually closer to airtime, um, there was more of a serious energy even though he could suddenly turn that into something quite playful on air but yeah he uh he, he could run the gamut emotionally that's for sure
0: rod uh, you know we all miss him this early into the uh, the grieving and mourning uh, we all miss him and we can all remember all our exchanges which one is the last thing i'm sure they all are but which one sort of defines him for you
4: uh, I'm glad you asked because it has nothing to do with TSN and it has nothing to do with, uh, with his Argo days. And I did interview him as a player back in the late 80s and early 90s when I was starting out as a reporter. Um, and, and he always gave good answers, by the way. He always really put a lot of thought into what he said. But for me, I asked him, the local high school here in Scarborough, um, you know, their their team was uh, starting up the program again and they were doing surprisingly well. They they had some upsets along the way and they were going to the Metro East uh play down or I guess championship uh, and um, heavy underdogs. And I don't think they, uh, I don't believe they did win that game. I think they played Birchmount uh, this time with Laurier. But the coach asked me, um, do you think you could, is there any way you could get him, get Chris Schultz to come in and speak to the kids? And I said, I'll certainly ask. And I asked him and uh, he, uh, he said anything for you. So we went, we taped a segment of risky business early, um, his NFL pick segment. And then I drove him from the station uh, before my show had a little gap in time to take him to the school and meet the team. And he wasn't sure in the drive. He was a little, you know, and he, he certainly wasn't shy, but he was also wondering, you know, what do I say to these kids? Uh, you know, who are they playing? He, you know, he was trying to get up to speed on what they were facing. And um, I just said, listen, you just need to go in and say, hi, we'll spend a couple of minutes, you know, give them a little pep talk and just say, hi, they'll just be impressed to see you and know of your history and that's it. So we go into the school and uh, the whole team is there. Obviously looking up uh, literally and figuratively at a, a gentle giant standing in front of them. And uh, I didn't know. I thought he'd just say a couple of words. I did a big spiel and intro. talked about his Dallas, you know, Arizona, Dallas Cowboys, starter for the Cowboys, went to the Argos, uh, you, know, you know, great left tackle with the uh, Toronto Argonauts, great cup champion, everything else. And then TSN and our broadcast days. And uh, after that, he got up, and he went on this emotional, inspirational speech um, that you can imagine Pinball Clements delivering. I mean, it was, except with Schultz's style, and gravelly voice, and uh, clenched fist, and talking about commitment, and talking about sacrifice, and talking about being loyal to your teammates, and talking about training, and eating right, and getting your rest, and, and caring, and and believing and all these things. And I'll tell you, I've known him for years. And this, I don't know why it shocked me. It just did. I was just, I was getting chills listening to this. And these kids were just wide-eyed looking at him. And, uh, you know, it, 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 the kind of thing you just felt like going and running around the block or going and running a couple of miles, doing a hundred push-ups, whatever, because I would have run to a, a brick wall for him at that time, the way. And then, then drove him back. And uh, it was quiet. I'm driving back to the station, they just looked at me and just said, "How was that? Do you think that was okay?" And I thought, "God Almighty, are you kidding me? They, they shouldn't forget that those kids. I mean, it was uh, that—that's—that's that's the one thing I'll remember about him more than anything."
0: Rod, that was uh, well done. I know it was difficult for you to, to reminisce for us, but I really appreciate it. Thank you very much.
4: Thanks, Jimmer. Very good to talk to you guys. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Rod Smith, CFL on TSN. This segment of the S Guy Show is sponsored by the multiple award-winning Let's Get Moving Canada for all your moving, packing, and storage needs in the GTA. Let's Get Moving Canada does it all with friendly and efficient service, featuring all-inclusive hourly rates. And Let's Get Moving Canada takes special care to ensure your belongings are protected. And get this: mention the S Guy Show, receive $60 off the cost of moving. That is correct, $60 off by mentioning the S Guy Show. For further information, contact Let's Get Moving Canada at 647-250. 9884, or visit their website, let'sgetmovingcanada.com. This is the Yes Guy Show, TSN 1050. Now back to the Yes Guy Show, Yes <laughs> Guy, on TSN 1050. <laughs> yes Guy, No Guy. Gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the officially sanctioned, all rights reserved Yes Guy Show edition of Yes Guy, No Guy. Go ahead, sir. Were you surprised the Leafs swept the Oilers? Um, I'm going to say no, Guy, just because after the second game, I thought, you know, I, this is like a playoff series, and you keep waiting for the other team to push back, but sometimes they can't. Uh, I'm surprised that Edmonton only scored one goal. <laughs> that is absolutely shocking. Uh, but uh, no, Guy, I'm not surprised they swept the Oilers. How about you?
1: I was a bit surprised because normally, if it's a three-game set, say if it was baseball, you'd expect the home team to win one game. The fact that they got swept and it was such a big series, I didn't expect. I I certainly didn't expect that to happen, and Connor McDavid not to not to get one point. So I was surprised.
0: Okay, yes guy, no guy. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau driving for the green on the PGA Tour at the Palmer is an absolute. No-go. No-guy. Let's do it that way.
1: Um, I don't know how to answer that. No, yeah. I think it's a yes-guy. The only problem he's having is he's not getting it in the fairway. He seems to be getting a little left or a little right. But for purposes of watching golf on TV, everybody wants to see him do it. So is he stupid for doing it? Is he an egomaniac? I don't know, but I, I certainly like it.
0: Okay. I'm, I, I'm not a big fan of it, but... That's like watching uh, something go wrong. There's, the potential for disaster there is all over the place. And I, and I guess, you know, to see that in a PGA tournament, especially one of this stature, it is kind of weird. But uh, I, I can see what you're saying there. Go ahead, sir.
1: Were you surprised that Alex Ovechkin, pitchforking uh, oh. uh, a Boston Bruins player in a very sensitive area, was not given a suspension?
0: Uh, yes guy he should have been suspended for that and i know that people would say well you know what did the guy do to deserve that and my question would be uh, whatever he did to deserve that should have been penalized and and if it wasn't then talk to the league about the officiating but nobody deserves that so there you go so yes guy I was surprised that he did not receive a suspension how about you
1: yeah uh the gentleman's name was trent federick he's a boston bruins rookie and I don't care. He pushed Obi a couple times, right, with the stick, and then Obi just decided to impale him. So I don't care that it's Alex Ovechkin. You just don't do that stuff. They should have given him a suspension.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We agree on that. Yes, guy, no guy. Corey Connors wins the Bay Hill.
1: Well, I was going to ask you about that, right? We're all (laughs) excited about that because we're from Canada. But I'm going to say no, guy. It's very oh. hard to maintain that level of play. Um, so I'm sorry, Canadian golf fans. I know you care about this. We're all emotional. We all care about our Canadian sports heroes. But um, no, he's not going to win. You may
0: have just opened a new category called Boo Guy. Boo <laughs> Guy.
1: <laughs> well, during in the show, we had poo. I don't know how yeah. that's, that word ever got into a sports show, but it did. So, yeah. okay. If you want to say... How about um, will Johnny Manziel ever make it to the PGA Tour? Because he said he's going to give himself twelve years for it to happen.
0: <laughs> well, we remember who he is in twelve years. No guy, I you know I, I was there the day he arrived in Hamilton, and I saw you know I saw all that uh, the hype and. And the lack of delivery, so I just he's an absolute no guy for me. I wish him well. I have no ill feelings, but you know, I'll see it when I believe it, guy.
1: I think it's a very difficult thing he's trying to do, but he did give himself twelve years, and I wow. bet some some tournament will give him an invitation, let him in there just because it's Johnny Manziel. So I say if I was a betting man, I would bet yes it will happen.
0: Well, I'd say anybody could say sometime in the next fifteen years I'm gonna and you can't say no to it because the world we live in, anything is possible, guy. But I you know, I am probably not going to remember who he was at the time. It's twelve years down the road. Jeez.
1: Jim, you will remember him from all those moments with the Hamlin Tiger Cats, that that crazy few months that he was there. And you
0: saw it. it I did, I saw it every day. It every day. <laughs> and everyone was just hoping that something would happen, and it never did. Craziness. Yep. Well, we had a great uh, set of conversations today. We could have done a two hour show with these guests. That would, I are enjoyed you saying
1: it. we should do a two hour show?
0: I'm just saying we could have. That's all I'm saying. So, yes, guy out or there. No we could guy. have. <laughs> well, yes, guy, we can. We are capable, but no, guy, it probably won't happen in the next couple of weeks. Is that safe? That's safe. Okay, we've got 10 That's seconds it? to kill. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah, I hope you enjoy our new time, by the way. Uh, Noon on uh, Saturday and the replay on Sunday morning, the uh, normal spot at 9. Thanks for joining us on Yes Guy, TSN 1050.